Good morning, church. Good morning, family. Welcome to everyone that is watching online. And welcome to all those that are in the house today. It's so good to see your faces again. There's nothing like being in the house. Amen. And whether you're here this morning or you're watching online, we welcome you all in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why we are here today. We are here to lift up His name and bring Him glory. And it is really, I pray, that you would experience the Lord in a tangible way today and that His truth will uplift you and enlighten you to a greater truth of who He is and His life-changing power. And that this truth will change our lives and in turn be a catalyst for change in our world. Church, we are nothing without Him. We cannot do anything without Him. But He is our way maker, and with Him, all things are possible. If you believe that, you can give the Lord a great shout of praise. Yes, Lord, we love you, we honor you, and we just ask you to come and take your rightful place in our midst this morning. Let's pray together as we commit this, this service to God. Father God, we, we come to you and submit our lives to you today in the name of Jesus. We want to thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to gather together as your church and grow in the knowledge of who you are. Father, we ask today to show us a better way, a better way to live, a better way to speak, and a better way to respond to all of life's challenges, all of life's injustices, all of life's attacks from the enemy to bring darkness into our world, all of the pain and suffering. We cannot do this without you. So we pray that you would do a work in us, Lord, and lead us into all truth so that we would allow this truth to restore us to the point where we are able to be the light in a dark world and be the salt that would preserve truth and justice where evil abounds. Lord, today as I bring your word and discuss a better way, I pray that you would anoint my lips and that I would speak only what you want me to speak. And may the ears of those listening be anointed for the purpose of receiving your glorious truth. And I ask this all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen. amen. Well, so good to be with you here this morning, church. And today I want to speak to you about a better way. A better way. The Lord has laid something on my heart which has been brewing over a couple of weeks, probably even months now, and because it's somewhat of a sensitive topic and may even raise a few eyebrows, I've been saying to the Lord, Lord, are you sure you want me to speak about this? Are you sure that you want me to go there? This is a big responsibility. And the more that I've tried to, to duck the issue, the more the Lord has been placing what I would call a weight on me to go there, to speak about this. Because there are some things that need to be highlighted and when it comes to certain societal issues that we are facing in our world and in our country today. There is so much darkness around. There is so much corruption. So much injustice and response to injustice. There is so much rebellion. There is so much hatred and anger. Good is being called evil and evil is being called good. I mean the Bible tells us that this is going to happen so I guess we shouldn't be surprised but we're in, a, in a, a point in our world right now where you think to yourself, how could it get any worse? Is it possible for mankind to stoop any lower than, than where he is right now? And as Christians, sometimes we sit with this conundrum on how do we respond? How do we behave and, and what do we stand for? Because we're not of this world as it says in Scripture, but we're still a part of it, right? 
We are people of light. We are children of light, but we're still among the darkness. As Christians, we are all one in Christ Jesus, and yet we are living in a world that is so divided, even sometimes Christian to Christian. We are called to turn the other cheek and, and love our enemies, and yet there are so many injustices in this world that make you want to rise up and become an activist. You know, you feel like you want to become like William Wallace and you want to charge onto the battlefield and paint your face and, and give your life for some cause. And what I'm trusting the Lord to help me and help us together through this series is to find a better way. A better way to live, a better way to walk, a better way to talk, a better way to stand for something and a better way to respond. And church, the reason I'm using the phrase a better way is because man has many ways. Man has many thoughts of what is right and wrong. I mean, everyone has an opinion these days, right? Everyone feels that they have a right to be heard. Even to the point of children believing that they can disrespect their, their elders or their parents because they now have rights. Just about everyone on social media believes they're a critic or have the right to disagree or disrespect a person or a group of people without even leaving the comfort of their lazy boy to go out and make a difference or lead the change in what they are so incessant about. Man believes that he has the right to voice many of his own thoughts and act out many of his own ways regardless of how it affects someone else's life or their reputation. But the Lord says in Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 to 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. It is infinitely different. Jesus also said that I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to me but comes to the Father but through me. So my main aim through this series and as the Lord leads me, church, is to use the Word of God to help us all find a better way. Because truthfully, even our best efforts will fall short if we don't apply Christian values and principles and Christian character to matters that are facing our society today. And look, unless you've buried your head in the sand somewhere, or you don't ever go into social media, or you don't ever watch the news, you would notice that there's a lot of chaos going on in our world today. There's a lot that's happening in our own country. Issues that range from corruption to injustice to discrimination to racism to rioting and looting to the murdering of innocent people to women and child abuse to pain and suffering and, and the list goes on. And so I'll ask the question, how do we as Christians respond to this? To what degree do we get involved and, and make a difference? Or should we as Christians just, just be indifferent to, about what's happening in, in this world because we're so heavenly minded? And what I want to start with today, church, is show you what the Bible says about our responsibility to suffering and injustice. And then we're going to look at how we should respond to those issues, some this week and some next week. So let me just start with this statement. Christians should care about all suffering and all injustice, especially eternal suffering and eternal injustice. 
Let me say that again because this is really important. Christians should care about all suffering and all injustice, especially eternal suffering and eternal injustice. And let's just break that down into two parts. I'll speak about suffering and then we'll speak about injustice. I just want to set a foundation for the word and for the series this morning. Number one, Christians should care about all suffering, especially eternal suffering. You know, sometimes Christians are hesitant to mobilize themselves or others to care about all suffering like disease, malnutrition, dis disability, mental illness, loneliness, rejection, or calamity. Because sometimes they, they don't know where to start and they don't feel that they can really make a difference, but also because they feel if they give themselves to all forms of suffering, they might just diminish the real concern of the Christian life, which is to care about eternal suffering, right? In other words, they just think that getting people saved is important. What I want to submit to you this morning is that you don't have to trade one off against the other. Jesus is our, our perfect example here. Over and over again in the Gospels, it says that he had compassion. He openly cared for the suffering of others. He had compassion on the crowds, Matthew chapter 9. On the sick, Matthew 14. On the hungry, Matthew chapter 15. He had compassion on the blind, Matthew 20. On the leper, Mark chapter 1. And on the demon possessed, Mark chapter 9. And when he told the parable to try and explain what it means to love your neighbor as you love yourself, he told the parable about the Good Samaritan. And he ended by saying he had compassion on the man on the side of the road. So embedded in the principle of love your neighbor is care about the suffering of your neighbor. Amen? So we care about all suffering as Christians. We care about all suffering on the earth. And then when it comes to eternal suffering, that even takes a higher priority. You know, church, unfortunately, there is some preaching out there at the moment that says there isn't such a thing as eternal suffering. That we're all good with God, we're all good people, that we're all going to hell. Hell doesn't exist. Hell is an old-fashioned concept that shouldn't be spoken about in churches anymore. A lot of mainstream churches don't speak about heaven and hell. Well, just to confirm to you today, and all the believers that are listening in the house and watching online, even those that are maybe sitting on the fence on this issue, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, or excuse me, 41, when he was speaking about the day of judgment, he said, Then he will also say to those on the left hand, referring to unbelievers, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I don't think there's much of a gray area there. What would you say? The Apostle Paul followed Jesus and said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Christians should really care about the eternal suffering of others. Church, I don't know if you know a man by the name of Pendulet. He's an author. He's a magician, he's a, an actor and a self-confessed atheist. But he wrote something that's very interesting and that I want to read to you this morning. He says, I've always said that I don't respect people who don't proselytize. Proselytize means to attempt to convert someone from one religion, belief or opinion to another. 
He says, I don't respect that at all. Because if you believe there is a heaven and a hell, then people could be going to hell or getting or not getting eternal life. And you think that it's not really important or worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize and who say, just leave me alone and keep your religion to yourself. He says, how much do you have to hate somebody not to proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them about that? He goes on to say that if, if I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that the truck was heading towards you and it was going to knock you over and you didn't believe this was going to happen, there's a point where I tackle you out the way. Right? And this is more important than that. And this coming from an atheist. And even though he's probably taking a shot at Christians because Christians don't easily share their faith, he's right. How much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them about eternal life? You see, you can't have the one without the other. You could be a missionary that goes into the most remote parts of the world to go and reach the unreached in the name of Jesus and bring into that region education and health care. You could improve the labor and literacy skills to help people become self-sustainable. You can improve the general quality of life. You can do all of those things. But if you don't tell them about the wrath of God, you don't tell them about salvation, you don't tell them about forgiveness of sins and heaven and hell, you're leading them into unbelief. So as Christians, we care about all suffering. Why? Because Jesus did. Especially eternal suffering. That's number one. Number two, Christians should care about all injustice, especially eternal injustice. Christians should care about all injustice, especially injustice against God. And this word injustice is really a lie for all of us right now, isn't it? There is so much heated attention when, when it comes to injustices that are taking place all over the world. What does the Bible say about injustice? It says in Proverbs chapter 31 verse 8, it says, Open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and needy. In Isaiah chapter 1 verse 17 it says, Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. And then in Psalms 106 verse 3 it says, Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. At church, there are many more examples and references to God's requirement for justice, for us to stand for justice and us to live in a just way. He's a just God, right? He's a just God. And it even says in Proverbs chapter 20 that unequal weights and unequal measures are an abomination to the Lord. In other words, God hates injustice. He hates it. And if He hates injustice, we as Christians need to hate injustice. And as Christians, we cannot be indifferent to the injustices of this world. And because of either self-indulgence or fear, many Christians have dulled the capacity of their hearts to care about the injustices that are happening around them. All the ways that people treat other people worse than they deserve. Hundreds, if not thousands of different ways around the world that human beings have found to treat each other worse than, than they should be treated. 
And that's what injustice really is. It's treating someone worse than God would have us treat them. Grace, on the other hand, as Jesus showed us, is treating better than someone deserves, right? Which one do you think God would have us adopt? So as Christians, we must be careful not to, to fall into a state of inertia or fear when it comes to injustice, either because life is just too comfortable, you don't want to leave the comfort of your lazy boy, or because it might affect your Christian label if you stand for something and you speak for something. We care about all injustice, especially injustice to God. And when I say injustice to God, I say this because it's important to prick the conscience and, and call us Christians who have more passion in their hearts and more passion in their mouths for injustice against humans than the global tragedy of injustice to God. People who are fired up in the name of Jesus or even in someone else's name for the injustices in this direction, right? but feel almost nothing and say almost nothing for injustices this way. They are anesthetized for one reason or another. And you may be asking, what is injustice to God? What, is, what are you saying? Injustice is to treat people worse than they deserve, right? And the more a person deserves and the less we render what they deserve, the greater the injustice. The less we render, the bigger the injustice. And church, God alone deserves the highest honor, the highest praise, the highest love, the highest fear, the highest devotion, the highest allegiance, the highest admiration, and the highest obedience. God alone deserves the absolute maximum of all those things, and every single one of us have fallen short of that. All of us have exchanged the glory of God for the glory of human beings, and that, and that has insulted God. A great injustice is being done against God every day all over the world. So every human being is guilty of an injustice to God that is infinitely worse. This is what I'm saying this morning. is infinitely worse than all injustices against man put together. And if you think that statement is, is slightly extreme or over-exaggerated, I will then say to you, your God is too small. Every human being is guilty of an injustice against God that is infinitely worse than all the injustices against man put together. But here's the good news. The only way that this injustice hasn't separated us from God forever is because of the cross. There's only one way that there could be hope for human beings to bring, or for human beings who have demonstrated such injustice against God. And that's when God himself came into the world in an act of mercy, not an act of justice. Jesus comes into the world to pay the debt so that he could be just in not holding, our, uh, uh, holding us accountable for our injustice. That's the meaning of the cross. Jesus bears the payment and the penalty for a just sentence so that all injustices of those who would believe on him would not be held against them. This is amazing. At that very moment where Jesus was being held accountable for our injustice, it says in Acts chapter 8, verses 32 to 33, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter. And as the lamb before its shearer is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his justice was denied him. Church, the miracle of the cross 
The miracle of the gospel is in the very moment when we withheld justice from the Son of God, justice was satisfied so that those who withheld justice could be justified. You can shout amen to that. This is, a glory, this is glorious news. And this puts a different spin on our opinion towards who we think deserves justice in this world, doesn't it? It is infinitely different. So just to summarize what I've said in those two points, Christians should care about all suffering and all injustice, especially eternal suffering and eternal injustice. And church, I've laid this foundation for us this morning to bring perspective to where we're going because I want us to now turn our attention to how we as Christians should respond to the different sufferings and injustices in our world. And in that, to find a better way to talk, a better way to walk, a better way to live, a better way to stand for something, and a better way to respond. So with the limited time that we have left today, I just want to focus on one issue that I have seen creating much tension on social media platforms. You would have seen it as well, and some of you have been involved in adding your own opinions. Remember, I'm friends with a lot of you on, on, on Facebook. And it's the issue of social justice. This is an extensive topic to cover and understand in its proper context, so we can, we're not going to cover it all today. But what I want us to focus on is how should we as Christians respond to social injustice? Let me just start off by reminding you that God hates injustice. And if you're a Christian, you should hate injustice no matter what color you are. If you're a black Christian and there is an injustice that happens to a white person, you need to take your color off of the shelf and put your Christian character on display and show compassion towards the injustice that happened to that white person. If you're a white Christian and there is an injustice that happens to a black person or a person of any color that is different than you, then you have the responsibility to take off your color and put on your Christian character and show compassion and love towards the person that is experiencing this injustice. Because Christians don't respond like the world responds. When someone shares a post about someone who has just suffered an injustice, the world responds by inciting hatred, destruction, racism and violence, which only ends up causing division. But not Christians. Christians realize you can't fight hatred with more hatred. It's in the coming together in love and forgiveness and repentance and compassion that wounds can, can be healed, bridges can be built, and people united. I must say, church, that I'm astounded by how many people are responding to causes all over the world that they have very little knowledge of and reposting what they've received without even knowing what they're really supporting or the organizations behind that, what they actually stand for. But more importantly than that, without ever mentioning the name of Jesus or ever encouraging people to pray for the injustice or for people to come together and work through their differences. Amen. Christians don't add fuel to the fire. Christians do whatever they can to stand for justice by uniting people and at all times display their Christian character. You see, Christian character is the key here. Because we all have an opinion, right? 
we all have an opinion based on our preferences, our upbringing, and the culture that, that, has, that has molded us, that we've been a part of. But God is calling us to a kingdom culture, a culture that values everyone and unites people equally under kingdom principles. And as an example of the, the type of Christian character I'm talking about, I want to show you one or two small video clips of Amber Gaga and tell you the story of Amber Gaga and Botham Jean. You might have seen it on social media or seen it on the news, but let me just give you a bit of the background. In September 2018, a white female police officer named Amber Gaga got off a very long shift after working about 14 hours. She goes home to her apartment complex and, and goes to what she believes or what she says is her apartment. It turns out that she went to the wrong floor and she was filling with the keys and she tried to get into to believe what she believed was, was her house, right, her apartment. So somehow she manages to open the door and to her surprise, a young black man is sitting on the couch eating ice cream. And she believed it was a burglar that was trying to get into her apartment. Right? And so she reacts. She's got a gun with her. She shoots this young man. She kills him. This young man, that's name is Botham Jean. So she was arrested. She was taken. Obviously, the court case ensued. And the court case revealed that she reacted recklessly and that she didn't follow the proper protocol to get in the necessary medical help that he needed that could have actually saved his life, amongst other things. And so she was found guilty of murder by the court and was and was set to receive a sentence of up to 99 years in maximum prison. But in the courtroom on the day of sentencing, there were two things that happened that were literally historic. This young man's brother named Brand Jean was on the witness stand, and he asked the judge for permission to come off that witness stand and give Amber Gaga a hug. You can just play that clip for us. The police officer who killed his own brother and murdered his own brother he asked her the right to be able to come and give this woman a hug, which is an, the epitome of demonstrating Christian forgiveness. If anybody had the right to be angry and unforgiving towards this police officer for what she had done, it was the brother of the deceased. But this young man, being the Christian that he was, saw an opportunity to put Christian character or his Christian character on display by responding in a better way. He said, you know what, this is probably going to be aired right throughout the world. And, and instead of, me, of people seeing me show unforgiveness and resentments, resentment and bitterness toward this, this lady and calling her names like everyone was calling her names on social media, instead he showed the world what true, genuine, authentic Christian forgiveness actually looks like. Just play that clip for us again. You know, church, Jesus says the measure with which you judge, you will also be judged. And this young man understood this principle. People in the courtroom broke down in tears and people were saying that they have never ever seen anything like this. And what a way to show non-Christians how Christians are able to forgive somebody who killed their own innocent loved one. This was the opportunity that he took but you know what? You won't believe how people to, to, uh, took to social media about this woman and called her names and wishing that she would be killed when she goes to prison. 
The language that was used by some people, even some Christians, is just too profane for me to mention in this setting. Let me just say this, church. As Christians, we don't have the right to put our color in front of our Christian character. We don't have the right to put our political views in front of our Christian character. We don't have the right to put our emotions in front of our Christian character. Essentially, what we're doing whenever we express ourselves in these types of ways on social media or in any other platform is we're basically saying, I don't care what people think about Jesus. I don't care what people think about Christianity. Right now, I'm going to express my emotions and it's all about me. It's all about how I feel. It's all about how I need to get my feelings out there and I need to express myself. And when we do that, people don't see Christ at all. Because our Christian character is then hidden behind our color. It's hidden behind our political views. It's hidden behind our emotions, right? And what we think about a certain situation. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, what should people see whenever we experience injustice? Whether it's close to us or someone else that, that we're aware of. How do we respond? We need to make sure that they don't see us. We need to make sure that they are able to see Christ. There was something else that happened in the courtroom that day. The female judge and jury who could have handed this woman a maximum sentence of 99 years decided to sentence her to only 10 years in prison. You can put that second clip up for us. But more importantly than that, this judge came down from a judge stool and instead of handing this woman a maximum sentence, she handed this woman a Bible and instructed her to get her life right with Jesus Christ. Those two acts are probably one of the greatest examples of mercy and forgiveness I've ever seen in a situation of injustice. And I want to just challenge you with this thought. Isn't it a bit hypocritical for us to go to God whenever we do things that offend God? And we beg and plead God not to deal with us according to what our sins deserve. But yet whenever someone else is in the position to receive mercy, we get angry. We're happy to receive that same mercy when God gives it to us for all the, the different things that we've done wrong in our lives. But when it comes to someone else, we don't really have that same type of mercy. We don't believe that they, they should get that same type of mercy. And I'm going to close with this today, church, and the, the worship team can please come up. Whenever injustice happens, and injustice is going to happen, whenever injustice happens and justice is not served the way that you believe that it should be, remember that God is expecting you to put your trust in Him to deal justly with the matter. We need to know that God has seen the injustice, and whether it's now or in the age to come, he will balance the scales. Even if the court gets it wrong, and even if the courts do not administer the justice that really needs to happen, there is a greater court. There is a higher court that every single one of us are going to have to stand before one day. And church, whenever we stand before that judge, there will be not, not be anything unfair that's happening there. There's not going to be anything any injustice at that time because God is the righteous and ultimate judge. 
So when injustice happens, should we stand up against them? Absolutely. When injustice happens to someone that needs us to stand with them, do we stand with them? Absolutely. Should we stand for people that can't take care of themselves? Should we stand for the poor? For those who are less fortunate? For those who cannot get a fair trial in court? Absolutely. That's biblical. But whenever injustice happens, we need to make sure as Christians that we always put our Christian character on display so that at all times people see Jesus and they don't see us. If you believe that word this morning, would you just give the Lord a great shout of praise? Amen.